Do you want your business to grow faster? Are you open to new and out-of-the-box ways to drive revenues and increase value? How do you imagine the most successful entrepreneurs and business leaders double, triple, or expand their businesses tenfold or more? The answer is deals. This is a weekly podcast featuring conversations with business owners, executives, and leaders as we reveal behind-the-scenes details that give you, our listeners, the confidence to pursue your own deal-driven growth. On the show, we discuss a huge variety of deals, everything from large complex mergers and acquisitions to smaller deals that you can do even without significant capital. My name is Corey Kupfer, and I've been supporting deal-driven growth for businesses for 35 years as a successful entrepreneur, professional negotiator, and attorney. My goal is to help you strategize, plan for, find, and complete deals that will help your company grow faster. Welcome to the Deal Quest Podcast. Let's get started. Hey, DealQuest listeners, this is Corey Kupfer here. As you know, every week we do a DealQuest podcast. Every fourth one is a solo cast, and this is one of those. So today I want to talk about something that was uh, uh, inspired a little bit from a couple of places. I was uh, saw something, a write-up of um, David Cho, who's an artist who did the original Facebook graffiti logo or the artwork, I think, for, for early on and, uh, and uh, was going to get paid $60,000 uh, for that. And then um, uh, apparently uh, he was convinced, uh, he, he actually wanted the cash, not equity, uh, but he was convinced uh, that maybe he should take the equity and he did, and it turned out to be worth over $200 million. Um, and, and we hear other things like, uh, you know, some of these artists, right, Dr. Dre and others, uh, you know, with Beats, you know, who, uh, and um, who's the one, there's another uh, singer or rapper that has, uh, that's involved with one of the water, uh, pro- you know, uh, products that become very successful. And you hear these stories of folks who take equity for, um, you know, for services and and get rich off of it. And so I I thought I wanted to talk about, this is not the type of deal I've talked about previously on the podcast, I don't believe, I don't even think we've alluded to it or had guests on that, you know, that that where we delved into this. So I thought it'd be a good topic for us to talk about on this, uh, on this solo cast. And, you know, even if it's not at the level of some of these uh, big uh, rappers and, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and other folks and artists, you know, I, I think a lot of us, especially those of us who are in the service uh, uh, business, you know, whether we are consultants or trainers or lawyers, or uh, I certainly haven't come up because I do a lot of deals and people, you know, uh, ask me whether I, I want to take pieces of it sometimes or do, or do equity instead of a fee. Um, but, you know, but I think it comes up for other folks too, right? You know, everyone from graphic designers to website designers, you know, to, you know, technical people or whatever. And especially with, you know, if you deal with startup or earlier stage companies where, uh, you know, cash is tight, right? And the, what they have to give, right? What the currency they have to give really is equity. And we can look at this from, from two points of view. I mean, one is, uh, I want to quickly talk about it from the company point of view, where, um, yeah, I mean, that's the solution sometimes when you need certain services, you don't have cash to pay them for them to, you know, to, to exchange it for equity. But I will tell you, I can't tell you how many times I've had clients who did that early on and regretted it because the amount of equity they gave away for the cash uh, you know, in hindsight, you know, they really, I mean, it was really worth a lot more than the cash. Now, listen, uh, you know, you could say that that's sort of um, genius in hindsight or whatever, but at the time, you know, if that's your only option, but I always do tell people to be careful, right? If there's any way you can do things, you know, for cash, watch the amount of equity you give away, because sometimes these early stage folks get such a, such a, you know, a, a big piece and it limits your capital raising later. And it has people that aren't contributing on an ongoing basis. Uh, you know, get capital. So that's from the company side. 
Well, let's talk about it from the service provider side, from the entrepreneur side, from the, you know, whatever your business is. If somebody approaches you and says, hey, listen, uh, you know, I'd like you to take uh, equity in my company, um, either because we don't have cash for a startup or because, hey, listen, you know, maybe you are going to be an ongoing integral part. Maybe it comes from a good place uh, where, you know, the entrepreneur thinks the company's going to be very, very successful and says, hey, you know, why don't, why don't we align our interest and sort of take the ride with me? You know, and you're going to help uh, help them be successful with whatever consulting or training or technical or, you know, whatever it is. And again, it's more often services, although even in a product business, it's possible you could trade, a pro- you know, get product for equity. And that happens sometimes. I just see it offered to service providers a lot more often. Um, so what should you do in making that decision? And what should you know about um, in making that decision from the service provider side, from the, you know, who, who's being offered equity instead of cash. So there's a lot of things that, um, especially if you are not familiar with this stuff, where things can go wrong or things to consider at least, uh, and things to negotiate if you're going to do such a deal. Um, so one is this, all right, equity is uh, itself basically, you know, an ownership right in a company, right? Whether it's stock in a corporation, or maybe more often these deals for many companies, it's a membership interest in an LLC, which is what the the ownership uh, in an LLC is called. In any case, you're going to get an equity piece, all right? But what does that really mean? You own 3%, 1%, 10%, whatever the number is of the company. Well, what does that get you, right? So let's talk about the characteristics of equity. Equity really can have three characteristics. One is Two are economic and one is one, one is not. The one that's not is, is voting and control rights, right? Odds are as a service provider, you're getting a minority, you know, uh, interest in the company. It could be very small up to, you know, somewhat larger if you're a key player. Um, but, you know, it's going to be a minority interest. So, uh, you know, you're not going to end up controlling any, any decisions. And it's, uh, you know, just by ownership percentage. And it's very rare for somebody who's trading services for equity to get the kind of um, veto rights or supermajority, you know, say rights uh, uh, that, for example, a, a private equity investor, a venture capital investor would negotiate, where they'll usually let the, the management run the company day to day, but on any, anything big like selling the company or raising capital, bringing in other owners, uh, taking out, you know, incurring debt above a certain amount, a bunch of big transactions, they're going to contractually have rights. So even if they only own 10 percent, well, with VC or or, or private equity is probably higher, but you know, if they own 10, 20, 30, 40, whatever the number is percentage, and they don't have control by, you know, they don't own 51% of the company, uh, they still get contractual rights to uh, have veto powers over certain major transactions. It's very rare for a service provider who's trading time, you know, or services or products for equity to get those kind of rights. So you have to understand that you are uh, most likely going into a situation where you're a minority owner with no say in how decisions are made. So you really, really have to do your due diligence and be confident and comfortable that you trust management, which is something you should be doing anyway, even if you were certainly investing, even if you had certain control rights, because you're not running the company that you want to do your, I mean, management is the single uh, biggest thing uh, that drives professional investors to invest or not is, is really the management team often more than the idea, uh, which can, you know, obviously evolve. So you should know it's highly likely that if you're getting a small percentage of equity, you can have no voting or control rights whatsoever. You might your equity might even be non-voting, but even if it is voting, you know, going to be so outvoted that it doesn't matter. Um, so that's point one. Now, 
Equity has two economic pieces to it as well, which I mentioned. One is the right to participate in profit, right, in cash flow that comes out on an annual or they might distribute it monthly or quarterly, whatever. But, uh, you know, but, but on that basis, right, the, the cash flow of the company that gets, gets down to the ownership level. In many startup companies, there's not a lot of that in the beginning, right? Uh, maybe as they grow over time, they can start throwing off cash. Some businesses are actually not even designed to do that because they're designed to, like mainly in the tech field, uh, you know, whether it's designed, you know, let's say an online product or service or, you know, SaaS product or whatever, whether, you know, designed to get, you know, eyeballs and, and maybe free downloads and, and with apps and that kind of stuff, um, you know, to be able to build up uh, eyeballs and then eventually sell the thing. And there's not a lot of cash while they're operating, but there are other types of businesses that are going to grow and throw off cash flow. And that's potentially available for distribution to the owners, including you as a minority owner who took equity in, in exchange for services. However, that's not guaranteed because the executives, the founders and other executives, the team, the employees, whatever, can be getting, getting paid compensation that could zero out uh, the profit uh, at the bottom line and therefore make nothing available for distribution. So unless you can negotiate caps on compensation, salary, any sort of budget controls, which again, you may not be able to do. Again, I've had, I've had people who are providing a big enough um, set of services to, to folks where maybe they, you know, they, they have negotiated this, but for the most, you know, in most of these deals, you're probably not going to do that. So you don't have any guaranteed uh, distribution, uh, you know, cash flow at, at the ownership level. Now that also means that the other owners are probably not getting distributions unless they have a preferred equity that you may not have, which you have to look at as well. Are there multiple classes of equity? If so, what, what class of equity are you getting? How does it compare to the rights and preferences of the other owners? Uh, people have priorities over you on distributions. But even if you're in the same class of equity and everybody gets distributions equally, if the, if the founders and major principals are also working in the business and taking out money through compensation, uh, then it, again, it may zero out the profit and they're not worried to get about getting money on, on the ownership level as distribution, which you would share in because they're taking it out in comps. So that's something else, you know, to, uh, to watch out for and be aware of. Uh, so now you may not have voting rights. You may not have distribution, practical distribution rights, uh, unless you give yourself some protection. So uh, what is the, the other piece? The other piece is, is the ability to participate in an exit, a capital transaction, right? When they sell the company, when they monetize, they have a monetization event in some way. And that's often what people are investing for is to get that big, you know, there's a promise of this big back end when, you know, when, when, when they get to monetize, right? After they build up the company and they're going to sell it or they're going to go uh, public, you know, they get an IPO, whatever it is, right? So in that case, what you also want to look at is, okay, that's great. Maybe that's, you know, you're okay, uh, maybe not getting the voting rights and, and, and not being guaranteed at least any distributions. By the way, little asterisk, little asterisk. Um, if the entity is a pass-through entity like an LLC or an S-Corp, you want to at least make sure that there is a requirement to distribute at least enough to cover your tax liability, because in those types of entities, you're going to get taxed on your relative share of, of the taxable income, right? Um, on, and get a K-1 and have to pay tax on that, whether you get a distribution or not. So if you, let's say you have 2% of a company because you provided, you know, did their website, provided legal services or accounting services or whatever you did, and the company has, you know, a million dollars in taxable income, but they're retaining it for future spending, right? Because they can reinvest and maybe they're still developing their product or service or they're expanding the marketing, whatever it is. So they decide not to distribute out. Well, you know, even at that 2%, you know, on a, on a million dollars that they're retaining, you're talking about $20,000 in, in, in income to you for which you're not going to have the cash, right, to pay the taxes. 
So you can have a tax bill on that 20 grand in that example uh, and not have gotten any distributions to pay it. So it's pretty common uh, provision, even, you know, it's, it's just a common provision in, the, in operating agreements in general. So hopefully you want to check that that's in there uh, to see that at least you're going to get distributed out enough to cover your taxes, right? They might put it in as a percentage or say in the highest bracket, or they might say, you know, 35, 40%, whatever the number is, depending on where they are in the country. And at least you're going to get, you're not going to be out of pocket. Let's take a break from the show for a minute so I can invite you to a new way to determine your deal readiness. I created a fast and easy assessment that will determine exactly how deal ready you are. Once you complete the assessment, I use your responses to identify the obstacles that are holding you back from being a deal-driven growth genius. It's as easy as heading to coreycupfer.com slash assessment. That's coreycupfer.com slash assessment and filling out a few multiple choice questions. I'll be checking in after the episode to see what your results are. Now back to the show. So now going on to the third piece, which is monetizing on a sale or something like that. Well, okay, that sounds great, right? You know, they're going to sell the company now for $10 million and you're you 2%, you're going to get 200 grand and everything's great, right? Well, maybe, maybe not. First of all, if they're going to sell, are they going to, uh, you know, are they, what has happened in between uh, now and then? Or if they're going to go, you know, IPO go public, what has happened between now and then? At the time you have bought in or exchanged your services for, uh, for equity, maybe you do have 2% of the company, but now they needed to raise additional capital as they went. They, maybe they issued some additional equity to key employees, and maybe your 2% is now diluted down to 0.2%, right? Um, so now, uh, you know, on that million dollars that I talked about before, um, you know, you're not getting 20,000, you're only entitled to 2,000. Now, listen, hopefully anytime the company is diluting equity, because remember the founders are diluting themselves as well, unless they have some preferred class, but if they're in the same class as you at least, uh, and very often even if they're multiple, they're diluting themselves as well. Um, so even, even if there is proportional dilution, first of all, they have a much bigger piece that, you know, than you do. Um, but you would hope that they are only doing that if it makes business sense, right? It wouldn't make business sense to further let in other equity holders, put it, putting in other capital or services or whatever it is. Um, and, and in my simple example, have a company that was worth a million dollars and it's still worth a million dollars. Your hope, of course, is when you bring in other owners and they are providing uh, products or services uh, or maybe, you know, it could be in, in connection with an acquisition, but however it is, that you're adding to the value or you're raising capital that you're adding to the value of the company, right? So, you know, after my simple example where you have 2% of a million, which is 20 grand, let's make it, let's, let's take an extreme example. Somebody comes in with another million dollars of value, whether that's cash or, uh, you know, or, or um, the company's worth a million and emerges in, whatever it is. Well, so now you, you get diluted by 50%, meaning your 2% goes down to 1%. But hopefully it's now 1% of at least $2 million as opposed to 2% of $1 million. So you're at least equal in terms of what you're, even though you have a low, low percentage, what it's worth. But listen, that doesn't always happen. First of all, depending upon the cap table, the type of equity you have, the preferences other equities holders may, uh, other equity holders may, may have, the ability to issue equity to the principals and owners and employees, you, know, you may get disproportionately diluted in some ways. Right. Also, the company may, uh, the equity may get diluted at lower valuations. Right. Now, that's that's the last thing that a company wants to do is what they call a down round of uh, of, of financing. But if the company's not doing quite as well, 
If they're doing horribly, they're not going to be able to raise more capital. But if they're not doing quite as well as they projected, they might have to raise capital and they get into a you know difficult situation. They may have to raise capital at a lower round, which could, you know, which could dilute you um, in a way that's disproportionate to the value that you, you know, you bought in originally. So it may seem like I'm saying never take equity because I've raised all these issues, concerns, complications, things that can go wrong. And by the way, there are, you know, 20 or hundred other things that can go wrong, but I'm not necessarily saying that. And, and of course, listen, I'm a lawyer, but I'm not your lawyer to get legal advice. I'm not giving you advice on any particular deal here. Um, so would I say never take equity for services? No, I would say almost never take equity for services, especially if you're like me, where you get pitched a lot on it, right? And a lot of these companies are unlikely to monetize. So when I say almost never, well, what are the criteria when you, when, when you should consider it in my mind? Well, first of all, you want to treat equity for services the same way as if you got paid in full and then we're making an investment, because that's effectively what's happening right? You know, if you're supposed to get $10,000 for this project, and let's keep it simple to start with, and I'm going to talk about some other variations, and they say, don't take it in, in equity, or right, that example I gave with the Facebook guy, um, you know, it was $60,000, right? And he didn't take it in cash, he took it in equity. Well, you want to say to yourself, you know, what he should have been doing, and, you know, he was leaning against, and then, he, and then got advised, I think it was by Parker, he got advised to, uh, to do it, and, and thank God he followed it, right? Two in a million. Um, but, if he did the right analysis, he would be saying to himself, okay, if I got, if they paid me 60 grand, would I make a $60,000 investment in this company? And the kind of due diligence that you should be doing on any investment, right? You know, in terms of its prospects, the management, uh, you know, the products, what their historical revenues are, what their projections are, all that kind of stuff. You shouldn't be doing anything differently if you're taking it for services, because it's the same thing as if you were getting paid and then, and then, and then investing it back. Now, uh, if you're able to somehow mark up your prices above what you would normally charge so that effectively you're not, you're not getting, not all of that is really money you would have gotten anyway. Okay. Changes the analysis a little bit. Right. But you know, if you, if you can charge X and now you're going to take, you know, that inequity, um, then you should, you know, evaluate it as any other investment like you're making a cash investment, number one. Um, number two, what you want to do, obviously, is look at whether you need the cash or not need the cash. That's going to make a big difference, right, in terms of your risk, you know, uh, profile. Uh, number three, what I have done in the past more often when I've done this, and I've only done it, you know, a handful of times over the years with a lot of requests, uh, because, again, I got to vet the company, I got to vet the opportunity, I got to vet uh, even the valuation, right? Even the company's great. The valuation might be outrageous. Um, so I got to make sure it's a fair valuation. What I would be, what I've done more often than uh, is that I've uh, considered taking a discount on my fees in exchange for a portion of equity. So I, I get paid for my services in a manner that covers my costs at least, and usually makes me you know, some profit, but not my usual profit margins. Because then at least I'm never really out of pocket money because I've covered my costs and I will give some sort of discount in exchange for equity. And again, rarely, very rarely. Um, so that's another thing you could do is do a hybrid, right? Where even if you're not able to, you know, punch up your fees about what you usually charge is you can take, you know, let's say you run on 40% margins um, so that, you know, on a $10,000 project, you make $4,000 in profit normally. And you know you have six thousand dollars in costs. 
if you take at least the six thousand dollars in you know in 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 cash and convert the other four to equity, at least you know you're at a minimum break even, right? You can or you can do eight thousand cash, two thousand equity, and now you you know you're making half your profit margin, but and then you know you, you put the other you're investing the other half back into the company. So that's another that's another possibility for um, you know what you can do in terms of um, reinvesting, you know, and, and, and taking equity. The other thing you want to take into account, um, you know, is, is what position you're in to evaluate. Just because you're providing services to this particular company um, doesn't mean you know the industry enough to evaluate it as a, um, you know, as an investor, right? Uh, and also sometimes the timing on this stuff is, 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 is quick. So, you know, you're going to want to make sure that you, you know, that you really do that. The, the mistake I, I, I have people, like I said, you know, there are times when it makes sense to do this. And, I, and I've actually done well in, in some of these investments, not, not uh, you know, not, not Dr. Dre beats well or, or, uh, or, you know, Facebook, uh, you know, artists well, but, um, you know, but pretty well. So, uh, you know, but the thing I find is that a lot of people who are less sophisticated in this, they're not really used to doing deals. They're, you know, they know their business. They know how to design a website or to provide tech services or to be a lawyer, even or to be an accountant. And, um, you know, and they just take a flyer, right? And, they, and there's no due diligence. There's no analysis. There's no really understanding of the cap table. There's no figuring out whether the valuation they're getting is fair. There's no checks and balances on, you know, their equity, you know, getting diluted or even understanding that it could be. Um, so, you know, but they just get excited about the company and they think they're going to get rich. And in most cases, you know, those investments don't turn out uh, too well. Um, so those are some of the things that you want to take take into account. Those of us who get approached a lot, maybe have done this analysis, but for you, it may be, you know, for some of you, it may be newer. Um, and, you know, and I would say definitely get some professional advice if you're thinking about doing this. Now, listen, if it's some nominal amount and it's throw away money, whatever, you know, it's that's a gamble. But, it, but if it's any significant amount, then you want to treat it like an investment. And with an investment, you do your due diligence. You would have your professionals look at it, your lawyer, your, you know, your uh, financial planner, your uh, accountant. Uh, and, you know, uh, you would make that investment decision uh, separate and apart from, uh, you know, from everything else that's, that's going on. So, folks, that's, that's it for this week. A little, little thought on uh, taking equity and exchange of services and whether that deal makes sense. And we will be back next week uh, and the next few weeks with, our, with guest interviews with another solo cast to come in four weeks. Have a great uh, day uh, and a great week. Uh, DealQuest community. Take care. Thank you for joining me on this episode of DealQuest, where we help you understand how deal-driven growth can be your ticket to freedom. I want to invite you to a unique way to tap into the wisdom and experience of the DealQuest community. Join the DealQuest Deal Den Zoom calls, a free monthly 90-minute mastermind. In the mastermind, we address all the challenges you may be facing and help support you with the opportunities that may arise in terms of deal-driven growth. You will get input not only from me, but all the members on the call will collaborate and serve each other in a mastermind format. To sign up for the free mastermind, go to www.coreycupfer.com slash dealden. That's coreycupfer.com slash dealden. I'll see you there. I'm Corey Kupfer. Until next week, wishing you the freedom and financial prosperity that I know your deal quest will bring.